Welcome to the Practice Brave Podcast. I'm your host, Brianna Battles, a strength and conditioning coach and the founder of Pregnancy and Postpartum Athleticism. The Practice Brave Podcast brings you the relatable, trustworthy, and transparent health and fitness information you're looking for when it comes to coaching, being coached, and transitioning through the variables of motherhood and womanhood. If you're a pregnant or postpartum athlete or a coach working with this population, this show is specifically designed for you. All right, let's get started. Welcome back to the Practice Break Podcast. Today, I am here with Sophie Power, who is an ultra runner, as in like ultra marathon running. So all my endurance athletes, I think you're going to love this episode. And for everybody else who really appreciates conversations around athlete brain and training during pregnancy and postpartum and making it part of your motherhood, I'm just really happy to share Sophie's experience and words of wisdom with you today. So Sophie, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Like what kind of training do you do? What's your background? We want to know. So I am a mom of three kids. I've got a a six-year-old, a two-year-old and um, an almost four-month-old little baby girl. And I've been running ultra marathons for about 10 years. I kind of fell into them by accident. I was was like second last in in school at, at the mile. And then I accidentally signed up for this ultra marathon across the Sahara Desert about 12 years ago and realized that I really love them. So I've run all over the world, um, a lot of stage races where you stop every day. But now I specialize in the really long races. So anything that's 100 miles or more. So I run the 153 mile nonstop Sartathlon. And, and just before I, I got pregnant with my third, I ran the 268 mile non-stop race up the spine of England called the Spine Fusion. So um, I love running very long distances, but I don't have much time to do it as a mum. So I try and train really smart on generally kind of less than 40 miles a week with some strength training. And I guess now I'm in the middle of, of getting back after my third baby, which is um, has been much a more difficult journey than, than with the other two. Yeah. So tell me about that. And I cannot believe, like, I just hope y'all heard that. That was 150 miles nonstop. I think that we think about like breaking it up or like, oh, that's like a relay race. But no, like you literally run that far for that long. How, <laughs> how, can you give me like, how many hours is that ish? Just for some perspective here for us non, non-runners. So that race is, a, is an amazing race. And um there's a time limit of 36 hours and it's because it's a Greek legend race um, from Athens to Sparta. And it was because Philippides kind of set off at, at sunrise one day in Athens and, and needed to get to, he got to Sparta at sunset the next day. So it's 36 hours. And that's what you got. So you got some really tight cutoffs along the way. Um, and because of that, it's one of the tougher ultras. I think um, I didn't sleep. I probably sat down for about 10 minutes to have my feet taped. Um, and you've got to keep going fairly quickly. It's quite hilly. It's very hot. Um, it's on the road, which I don't normally run. It's six marathons back to back, essentially, with no sleep. I can't even wrap my head around that, to be completely honest. <laughs> that is a, it's just incredible. And I have so much respect for, like, obviously the physical resiliency that it takes to run that far for that long. And, like, also, what a really amazing backstory to that particular race. I love that. Um, but can you talk to me about the mental resiliency that ultra runners, ultra marathoners have? I think for a different breed of person, um, 
we're slightly crazy. I think you have to be to do these things. But I think mental resilience is something that you have, but I think we grow it. So you do one race and you think you've hit the wall and you get through it. And you're like, actually, you know, I, I can do more than that. And you give the confidence to go further. I definitely think it's something that you, you get through motherhood as well. Like we're really good at looking after so many people and just focusing on getting everything done. And when we only have to look after ourselves, could have one person and not five in a race, um, that makes it seem quite easy in a way. So mum's a brilliant ultra marathons. Um, it is a mental thing. And I think it's about knowing why that's your goal and knowing why you're doing it and really being able to focus that, that helps you be successful. You know, I love that you just connected like the parallels between like motherhood and uh, just like, I guess, endurance racing in general. And I am not anywhere close to being the kind of endurance athlete you are, but I do try to sign up for a triathlon at least once a year, kind of a varying distances. And right now I have one on the horizon. It's a half Ironman. And what I love about that is the parallels between business and motherhood and being able to keep pushing and going and having that consistency in training. I just, I feel like it just, there's a lot of parallels there. So I would love to hear how your motherhood and your endurance racing, like how those connect for you. I think endurance racing helps me survive motherhood um, in a way. I think for me, endurance racing is very much the part of me before I was a mother. Mm -hmm. And it was kind of my challenge. It was my kind of release. It was kind of setting my goals for myself that I didn't want to fall away when I became a mother. But becoming a mother has made me a better athlete, certainly. And like, I don't have time to waste in training. Everything has to be kind of, I'm doing this training session for this reason and this period of time. The multitasking, there's lots of running buggy usage. I joke during the lockdowns, you know, I had two boys, 15 kilos and 20 kilos, and they became my kettlebells. And they love being a kettlebell and sitting on my back. I think motherhood kind of helps you really kind of clear your mind as to how to focus on things, how to get through things, how to work out what the most important thing is at any one time. And and ultra running, a lot of it is about looking after yourself. It really is thinking, okay, what's going wrong? Okay, my feet feel there's a hot spot on foot. I'm going to fix that. Am I hungry? Am I thirsty? Kind of should I fix that? Almost having a baby, like I'm trying to second guess what she wants. Mm-hmm. I've done the same thing to myself in races, so. And also, like, when you have to race through the night, like, mums are, like, the best prepared people on the start line because we don't sleep anyway. So, kind of, we don't have to sleep during a race because we're kind of used to that feeling. So, there's definitely a parallels and definitely a lot of, kind of, amazing, kind of, mum athletes that, that do ultramarathons. Oh, I love it. We just, we are really like a special breed of athlete because we are not phased by much, you know? Like, I think motherhood just humbles you to a point of, like, I have had a baby come out of me. I'm not sleeping. I'm taking care of this. I got to go here. I got to do this. And there's not a whole lot of choice involved in that. It's really like our responsibilities just grow. So I love, I just love that you connected on the parallels there. Will you tell us how have you become known, especially in the running and endurance community and frankly, making your way kind of around the media (laughs) in the world, you know? So I became known, I guess is the right word. Um, a picture was taken of me um, breastfeeding my three-month-old son during the Ultra Trail de Mont Blanc, uh, which is a 106-mile mountain race around Mont Blanc with, I'll try to American terms, I think it's about 35,000 feet 
of climbing. And that picture went by around the world. And if anyone hasn't seen it, I'm feeding him one side. I'm pumping the other side. I look knackered. It's, it's, it's halfway through. It's 16 hours in. I haven't slept. And there's a guy next to me with his feet up sleeping um, at the same checkpoint. So that went a bit crazy. And my life really changed. And this is kind of two and a half years ago now. And I realized that it wasn't really about me doing the race. It was about motherhood. And the debate that ensued was about how incredible women's bodies are and also how we can retain our goals afterwards. So it very much kind of changed my life in that um, suddenly I was doing kind of worldwide media kind of talking about this. And since then, it's become a, a real passion of mine to to do what I can to to support other women, to retain athleticism, to get active and to keep having their goals. Absolutely. Well, I love that. I love that, um, that perspective. Will you talk to me about what your training was like during your first pregnancy? And I know we talked about your second pregnancy some things that you wish you would have done differently and then comparing that to your third and just like what those different processes have been like for you. So, so during my, my first and second pregnancies, um, I didn't really know what I was doing. Um, I had a brilliant strength coach. So I was doing really heavy weights. Um, I ran until about seven and a half months, my first. And then at five months of my second, I stopped because I, I thought I wanted to protect my pelvic floor. I, I only discovered I had a pelvic floor the day after I gave birth to my first baby and promptly kind of disappeared um, from view. And I was like, oh, oh dear. I'm, I didn't take a running step for three months trying to, to get it back to where I could do. So the first two pregnancies, didn't know what I was doing, but I kept fit. So I was running less, but I was doing spin class. And certainly my second pregnancy, I was preparing for UTMB thinking, there's no way I'm going to be on the start line when he's three months old, but I'll give myself a chance to be there. Um, so doing lots of uh, spin classes, treadmill hiking, um, that awful revolving stepper machine of how, because most of the race is climbing mountains. Then my third pregnancy, I worked with a specialist. So my specialist pelvic health physio called Emma Brockwell, who actually just wrote a brilliant book called Why Did No One Tell Me? Um, which every kind of pregnant postpartum and to write about your body and how things change during the pregnancy and how to get them back and we cut out a lot of exercises strength exercises I was doing pull-ups all the way through my second pregnancy and I ended up with quite a large diastasis recti that I didn't want to have in my third we worked on lots of exercises to stabilize my hips to really kind of be strong and I didn't end up with the the, the kind of pelvic pain I had in my first two pregnancies and we were much, I had the kind of six feet check. And then we discovered that that I had a, a prolapse and we had to then take that into account in getting back. So my first two pregnancies, I was very lucky. I stayed really fit. Um, but having that specialist help in my third and really understanding why I'm doing the training I'm doing, I trained harder during my third. We looked a lot at impact. Uh, we switched me to cushion shoes. So Hoka sponsored the film that, I just brought out kind of covering my uh, recovery, switched their cushion shoes, started not running down hills, started switching to really soft trails, started then running on treadmill and incline. So everything I could do to prepare myself to be as strong as possible to give birth and for afterwards, but kind of keeping all that training in and being as gentle to my body as possible. So 
I kind of gone through the whole spectrum, getting it right, getting it wrong. And I'm much, I'm much better shaped now after my third than, than I was after my first two. Oh, I love that. And I love just the context that we can gather like at such an individual level of like what's right for your body compared to my body to your first pregnancy compared to your third pregnancy. And just being able to get that insight really helps create a better athlete, even if we're working with a different body. I know you mentioned prolapse and diastasis and just kind of taking that inventory of some of the the symptoms that are associated with, you know, having a baby. So can you talk to me about finding out that you had prolapse and what that was like, especially as a runner? So it's all on camera. So it's it's quite, so kind of having filmed, having brought out a film about my kind of pregnancy and my postpartum recovery, um, it's on film kind of my face when, when Emma tells me I've got a prolapse and I didn't really know what one was. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was something that happened to you when you were much, much older. Like I thought it was something right. that happened to my mom. And then Emma tells me, she goes like, most women who have two children have some form of prolapse. I was like, wait, like, are you kidding me? Why does no one tell us this? And I just wanted to know as much as possible about kind of, I'm a runner. I wanted to go and run. And she's like, that's not the right idea. And I'm so grateful that like I have her this time because in my second pregnancy, when I then went to do UTMB afterwards, if I'd found out I had a prolapse, that would have stopped me from doing UTMB, but I didn't know. And I would have gone and done it and had that probably that long-term difficulties kind of, I think with prolapse, you can train through it because I'm asymptomatic. Like I didn't know. And if I trained through it, I could be having a real problem in 10 years time. And then I really wouldn't be able to run. So for me, I'm really grateful that I found out soon and, you know, I could probably never make it go away with exercise, but I can take it kind of up a grade and in the in the short term, I can use a pessary to help me run. So it's really finding out and then going, well, what can I do about it? And there's so many things you can do. And I think the second thing was was making it feel really kind of normal. This is really, really common. And I think women feel afraid to talk about it because they think it's just them. But this is really, really common. And if anyone is concerned about it, they should go and see someone and see about how they can, they can help it so they can still continue with their exercising safely. Absolutely. And I'm so glad that you had such a positive team around you because I know so many people that have been diagnosed with prolapse, then they start Googling like, what is prolapse? Because like you, they're like, wait, I thought, I don't know what that is. Or actually I thought that was just something that happened to older people. And so then they go to Google and Google says like, never lift your baby and don't lift and don't run and avoid all of these things. And just like this really daunting list of don'ts. And so for an athlete, that is, it's horrifying to feel like you're broken or that that's the end of your fitness journey. And that's, I work with so many different athletes who have been told that, and then it's getting them the information that I'm so happy that you had where it's like, okay, this is actually like pretty common. And there's a lot we can do to improve your symptoms. I think it's the same thing through pregnancy as well. I think the the amount of information that's there on how you can be active. Like, so, so many people have seen the film and kind of DM me and going, well, this is where I am. You know, what can I do? In the UK, kind of guidelines only came out kind of 18 months ago about exercise during pregnancy. And my physio is part of the team that wrote the return to running guidelines that kind of can get you back out there and say what's safe. But I think we have to remember as athletes, we're not normal. Most people are sadly sedentary. 
and they don't have our brains, they don't have our kind of our activity levels. And the guidelines are written for the average person. So we need to go beyond them and, and talk to people who are used to working with people like us, who that there's no great research on pregnant postpartum women because obviously it's slightly unethical to research on a pregnant woman where you can harm a baby. But there's a lot that's gone before and, and we need to kind of spread the word as to what's safe. And there's so much old thinking. My midwife told me at 20 weeks when I said, oh, I've got a couple of pains. She's like, don't lift anything and don't spend too much time on your feet. I'm like, whoa, that doesn't work for me. That doesn't make sense. I go see Emma and she's like, well, actually you had a relaxing peak and, and next week it should settle down. And it did. And I went for a run again and I went back to my training program. But without knowing that and having the confidence through seeing a specialist, I'd have been inactive for half of my pregnancy. Absolutely. Yeah. There's so much fear mongering and misunderstandings out there. Um, and it, I mean, God, just the value of being able to have that support team of professionals who get it and can support you through pregnancy proactively and also just like, okay, if you do have some symptoms, like how can we figure this out so that you can do what you want to do, but in a way that's going to support your long-term health. And that's my goal. I know that's your goal. And I'm so glad that this message and information is being shared from a voice like yours. So thank you so much for sharing that. It's weird trying to share some, but I think kind of the, before my UTMB picture went viral, I'd never posted on Instagram I never kind of talked about things. I was like, ultra running was like this, this thing I did that most people I even knew didn't even know I did. But it's so important to share and, and having the platform to do that. I can see how many other women it helps. And that's something that's really important to me because becoming active, maintaining that activity really can change our lives and, and make us better role models for our kids. So I guess um, I'm going to have to share everything now. <laughs> Yeah, I think a cornerstone of my business and brand and overall messaging is like your athleticism does not end when motherhood begins. And I think you've done such a beautiful job of showcasing that. And so tell us, tell us a little bit about the film that has recently been released about you. I love the image of my second pregnancy, kind of running with Cormac. And I saw the impact that that had on so many women saying, and it said, you know, after you become a mother, you can still have your athletic goals, exactly as as, as you said. Um, but it didn't show how. So I think it gave a lot of women saying, you know, I still want to do this and I still want to have my goals. But there was a huge amount behind that picture of how I'd done it, how hard I'd worked, all the kind of different people that I started working with. I had a support team around me, kind of, um, if you kind of pan out from that picture, you've got kind of my, my husband trying to feed me an avocado sandwich. You've got my, a friend trying to change the, 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 the batteries in my head torch. You've got a nanny who joined us kind of waiting outside with, with my older son. Um, so with the film, I, I wanted to, to film kind of what happened and not knowing what would happen, not knowing I'd have a prolapse, but really kind of try and show women how I was getting back after a pregnancy and show the struggles that I was going through and the people I was seeing and what I was doing. And so I had a, a local film crew and it's quite difficult to do with COVID basically film me kind of my end of pregnancy running and then kind of frequently since my pregnancy up to about kind of three months. So they weren't there labor. They did chuck me a GoPro on the way to the hospital because <laughs> she came, she came eight days early and, and they're like, could you just get a shot of like the room? And I was like, no, but I gave it to my husband and he did. 
Um, but um, but so if they weren't in the labor room with me. So I have to correct that for like a lot of people like, did you bring a phone crew into the hospital? But they were there the day after because we'd already scheduled to be there. And and the film basically kind of covers my my six week check. So I filmed my six week check with a specialist health physio because it's really daunting um, not knowing what it is. And in the UK, we don't get great kind of um, national health service checks. They don't look after us as much as they look after the baby. And right. so I'm like, well, what? We'll film that. Let's just film what happens during that check and why it's important. Let's film my first workouts. Let's film how I'm absolutely knackered because I haven't slept. And so Hoka kindly agreed to sponsor it. They're a brilliant charity running brand that I've worn for years and helped me during pregnancy. And so we put it out on YouTube on on the Hoka channel or, or linking through my Instagram, and it's had an incredible reaction. Oh, I'm so glad, and I'm so glad that you shared it with me and um, I'll be sure to link that film in the show notes so people can can watch that and and just get a little bit more information about you and what your journey has been like. What advice do you have for maybe just like the average mom who wants to run, maybe do like a half marathon, but just like your I'd say like your very average runner mom. What advice do you have? I think the first thing is to know that your goal is really important. So you can have that goal outside being a mother and set that in stone and say, I'm going to work towards this and creating a plan around it. So things don't happen because the, the first thing that kind of gets dropped off the schedule is the thing the mum wants to do because there's always going to be so many drags in your time that for me, kind of, it's often great to get a coach. Um, so you have a workout schedule and you can say to your partner, like, this the workouts I have to do. But for me, I think knowing that I have my goals and knowing that going for my runs makes me a better mother. So my mum guilt is kind of the other way around to a lot of people's mum guilt. It's like, I feel guilty when I don't go for a run. I feel guilty when I don't set goals because I know when I do, I'm a better person. I've got everything off my mind. I'm ready to parent my children much better. And I'm a much better role model for them. But especially now I have a daughter I'm showing them that that being a mother should should never get in in the way of her dreams. Oh my god, that I just love that. And I really love the part about the reverse mom guilt because I feel the same. Like I have to protect the activities that I do because I know if I do those things, then I feel so much better and I can operate from a better place of mothering and of being a wife and and business owner. Like all of those things are better when I protect the space for me to move my body and do the things that I want to do. But God, it can be so hard to do that. I think we just have to be nice to ourselves as well. Like mm-hmm. kind of when, when we don't have much sleep, when things are going crazy, I think the standards that we hold ourselves to, and I sometimes struggle and I look at kind of women who are racing who don't have children. And I look at how much they can train. I look at the results that they have. And I'm like, wow. I can't feel jealous of that because I have this amazing family around me. My life is just different. So I only compare myself against me. And, you know, I, I can't train like a pro athlete. I'm not a pro athlete. My goals are just as important, but they're my goals. And and I stopping comparing myself to, to other people who are in different situations has been really helpful because I just have a different world around me now. And I love my children. And I know when I've done the best for me, and that's what success is. Yeah, absolutely. I think I just think that's such a beautiful perspective. And I love having different voices and experiences on here showcased so that 
we all can pursue that lifetime of athleticism, whether it's ultra marathons or one mile once a week, whatever it might be, wherever we fall on that spectrum of interest or ability, like it still matters and can just evolve with our motherhood through different seasons. I think we know kind of, so I'm, I'm a trustee of a UK charity called Women in Sport. And we're all about getting women active through their, their whole life, their whole lifespan through the stages. And we know that the more active, you know, mums are, the more active our children will be. So kind of thinking that any form of activity for us, you know, we're healthier for our children, but actually so are they. So kind of trying to frame it in different ways to if people struggle with the mum girl side as well, framing your activity is important because it actually benefits your whole family is one way you can do it to hopefully help you find that time to get out the door. Oh, absolutely. And I, I mean, so far I'm still in the early seasons of motherhood myself, but so far I'm seeing it in my own boys where they're just very active and more inclined to move. And it's just a very normal part of our life and routines and sports. And it's just, they are very used to it. So it's been interesting to see, (laughs) to see how that all, how that all comes to play. I'm just worried about when my kids can beat me. So my, my, my six-year-old, like they don't have fear. So down a hill, he can trail run down a hill pretty quickly now. And I'm looking, and I'm really gentle my downhill running because I'm still postpartum, but I'm like, am I ever going to get as quick as he is again? Um, Um, It's just a slight worry. (laughs) No, my seven-year-old and I just raced and he, he like straight up beat me. Like, and I, I, (laughs) this is where it happens. Like seven years old. I could not believe it. I tried really hard and he straight up, (laughs) straight out beat me. Like I used to like try to like let him win, you know, I can't do that. Like now I'm going (laughs) to he's just faster than me. And I swear I'm not that slow, but still they, they got some pickup, man. So far. Oh, it's good. But it's also like the good that they're seeing, they're growing up as boys, kind of seeing mums be active, seeing women be active and kind of um, my son in the playground, he's like, yeah, my mom can run further than your dad. Um, <laughs> and he, he just links women with being great at running and great at endurance sport. And that's brilliant. He doesn't see the girls any differently. So um, hopefully that continues. I definitely appreciate that point. And same in my household. My, my boys don't know any other way, which I, I love. And I uphold that strongly. So what is your, what does your training look like today? You have a four-month-old baby girl. So what does life and training look like? What's on the horizon for you with any events or races coming up? What does it look like? So I, my initial goal, and I, I talk about it in the film, was I wanted to run my first ultra at 11 weeks. Now, it got cancelled, but I would not have been on that start line. Um, I could have hiked it. Um, and it's been uh, moved to when she'll be, trying to work it out, five and a half months. So I'll be doing a 50K, uh, sorry, but it's about 30 mile trail race then and working towards it as long as kind of my symptoms continue to improve and, and I'm set the start line. So at the moment, I'm running three times a week, two outside, one on the treadmill incline, and doing a treadmill hike session. So I think what runners neglect is the fact that hiking on an incline can be just as hard, actually generally harder than running. So you can get your heart rate so high, and it's a brilliant way to train in pregnancy and postpartum without the impact on your body. So that's a session a week. I'll do a spin session and a couple of weight sessions. We're really lucky to have a gym in our house. So um, the treadmill's there and the weights are there all the time. And, and she'll happily watch me do a weight session and the rest I get in during nap times or 
when kind of my husband can look after her when we have some help. So it's building back up kind of a month ago. There wasn't so much. I was really worried about kind of re-strengthening and just getting back together. And there's a lot of core work. I tore my hamstring from pregnancy. There's a lot of rehab work in there. Some of it's really boring. And some of it is just kind of you've got to do it and you don't feel that feedback coming because you can't see yourself getting better. These kind of core exercises are going to heal the tummy gap. I hope they're working. But at the moment, I'm around 20 miles a week, 25 miles a week. Um, and hopefully during towards the race, that will come start getting up towards where I want it to be. But it's juggling. It's fitting stuff in. In terms of running, I tend to run first thing in the morning and manage it around my pelvic floor. So I know that my pelvic floor is really strong first thing in the morning. It's a lot weaker at night. So I'll do the spin session. If it's a night session, I'll do the walking, hiking as a night session. But those runs, they get done in the morning. Sophie, this is so insightful. And I just I just want to say I really appreciate you sharing that insight on a couple of things here, like the quality of training. Because we think like such long distance, you must be out running for like three or four hours, multiple times a week or whatever. And obviously it built into that, but just how you've prioritized the quality of your training around motherhood. And then also around how your body feels and just knowing, okay, my pelvic floor feels better in the morning. Therefore I need to run in the morning if I'm going to do this. And like that level of uh, adaptability and insight is so, I just really want to compliment you on that. And I think it's incredible. I think we we need to kind of talk about pelvic floors more as, as running mothers. And so, you know, when are they strong? What can you do? I know that, so I don't have a cup of tea in the morning before I run because I know that kind of irritates it slightly. And you know, I'm running leak-free and I'm running with no symptoms. I don't want to be peeing myself when I run. I mean, that's no fun. And knowing that kind of I can do different workouts when I do them between, say, I try and leave a day between each run or heavy session so that it can recover. It's like a muscle. I think kind of when we think about kind of pelvic floors, kind of we think about an injured hamstring, you know, we rehab our hamstring. We wouldn't do too much on it two days in a row. I think about my pelvic floor exactly the same way. It's injured. I need to rehab it and I need to not do too much at once. Otherwise, you know, it won't recover in time for the next session. I love that. That is, is everything that I want any athlete I work with to know that there's hope. You can do so much. Even if your body has changed, there's still so much that we can do. And you just truly become the expert on your body. And you can do that by being surrounded by, you know, the support and resources that'll help get you there. And we are both here to support all of you listening. If you have questions about running your core and pelvic health, pregnancy, postpartum, we are here. Both of us are, are working in similar but different capacities to get some better information and messaging out there. So Sophie... Where can people learn more about you? Where can we follow you, find you, all of that stuff? Sure. So I'm on Instagram. I'm now on Instagram since the first <laughs> one um, at ultra underscore Sophie. And I actually blogged my entire pregnancy fitness every two weeks as to what I was doing in symptoms and kind of postpartum less frequently uh, on sophiepower.com because there were so few people actually talking about what they were doing during pregnancy. I thought, I'll just put it out there. And the film's available on the Hoka um, YouTube channel, or there's a link in my bio at ultra underscore safety. Amazing. Thank you for sharing your story and your time with us. I so appreciate you. And I'm so grateful that we got connected. Love social media for that reason. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love the rest of the podcast. I've been learning from the rest of the podcast. 
and listening to them during pregnancy and since. So yeah, it's, it's amazing to be on with so many incredible women. Oh, thank you so much. Have a good rest of your day. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you are a postpartum athlete and you're really trying to figure out what next, what does my return to fitness look like? What do I do about my core, my pelvic floor? How do I get back into the movements I want to do in a way that I feel really confident about? I have you covered because I know exactly what it's like to be where you are as a coach, as an athlete, and as a mom. So I want you to download six exercises for the first six weeks postpartum. It's a free resource and it just goes over everything that I think is really important to take into consideration during those early weeks postpartum. Now, if you're ready to begin more of an exercise program, say you've been cleared by your doctor or midwife, I have a eight week postpartum athlete training program, which acts as the perfect entry back into fitness, into the gym, into the kind of movement that you want to do where it's still respecting the changes your body has gone through and how your baby was delivered, but it really helps connect your rehab into the kind of fitness that you want to do in a way that's relatable and fun and exactly what your body needs right now on behalf of your long-term function and performance.